Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. So welcome back to Covered in Glory, where we are deep in our post-World Cup blues, Brett. I cannot believe the sporting event that we just saw on Sunday, which is going to go down as one of the great sporting events of my lifetime. It's very rare that you have such expectations for the biggest match every, you know, that happens every four years, and somehow they get blown away. What a way to conclude this incredible World Cup. Yeah, I mean... I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously, there's been some pretty great Super Bowls in my lifetime. Great. I mean, the Josh Allen Mahomes playoff game was incredible. But like, very rarely does a moment like this deliver in the way that it did, right? Like, it was an incredible match and in a fun way. Like, it was back and forth. There's counters on both ends. Each of the superstars like stepped up and had this Herculean effort in the match. Um, and then it ended with the storybook fairy tale ending of like Messi getting his World Cup. Like I, I it I don't in my lifetime, I can't think of something that I both wanted to see more in that way, like just come through like it did. It was yeah. I I I just I I've racked my brain since that final being like, when is the last time a sporting event delivered like that? And I literally can't think of one. Yeah, I mean, it's something something special when you get the destination that your heart desires, but when the journey is as powerful as that game was with the twists and the turns and things like that, yeah. it somehow delivers even more of a kick at the end. I mean, I... Uh, you know, I I I think I've admitted on this show, like I wasn't came, I didn't come out of the womb as a soccer fan. So maybe like the 82 final was better than that, or you know, one yeah, of those right. like early matches that I just can't really speak to. But that was absolutely the best soccer match. Um, even for a neutral, like forget like when Chelsea was the Champions League. Obviously, I'm going to lose my mind over that. If U.S. ever lost the, or I'm sorry, if U.S. ever won the World Cup, they've lost it plenty of times. I can't even imagine the reaction I would have. But as a neutral watching a soccer match, that is the greatest and best experience I've ever had. I feel sorry. Nobody's listening to this is like anti-soccer. Like if you're still with us after the World Cup, the hooks are deep. You're in. <laughs> Thank you. Well, welcome to the tribe. Um, but I feel sorry for anybody who's not. Anybody who's not into our beautiful game, who doesn't get to enjoy that, who doesn't, you know, get to have that experience, because um, that was like the pinnacle of what following sports is like for a neutral fan. Yeah, and I mean that—that that was the cool part too. Is I had a bunch of people that I was not expecting to be texting me about that game during the game, texting me about that game during the game, yeah, to yeah. the point where I sent multiple texts back, like you're actually watching this question mark. Um, yeah. So it was, it was really, I mean, it was great. I, I think too, like I thought about this a lot was, you know, the U S winning would be obviously fantastic. I think it would be incredible. I'd be super excited. Um, but like it was, I think part of the reason why it was so rewarding was like, you could see this catharsis for like the entire country of Argentina with like Maradona dying and then Messi not having like this burden on him anymore. And he's such a beloved figure in the country. And obviously throughout the soccer landscape, like that, that 
outcome in particular, given the timing of everything, I, I just thought it, it was uniquely special in a way that, you know, made me feel a different way than like in a good way, but like in a different way that I would have the U.S. one. Right. I just yeah. thought it was really it was really cool to see that country, which is kind of also a mess right now, like just have that moment for themselves. Well, declaring a national holiday was, did I see the estimate was 4 million people showed up for the parade? Like, Hey, Boston, your duck boats are cute. Hey, you know, Philly, you know, like nice try 4 million people showed up and there were so many people they had to evac the team by helicopter. I mean, now we're like talking about some near biblical stuff outside of just like, Oh, we're going to show up and have a ticker tape parade. Like, no, this is all next level of celebration, really putting America to shame in their revelry of winning the world cup. Yeah, no, I mean, 100%. Like, I was staring at kind of the celebration um, in Buenos Aires, and I, I would look at different parts and be like, you know, my brain, because I'm a weirdo, I'm always like, dude, how do the people that are right there, like, how do they leave? How long did it take them to get out of that square? You know, like, it was crazy to see the amount of of uh, people that were there for the celebration and the fact that they had to change the route and move them into the air. Like, a lot of it was very cool. I, I mean, it, I really hope that people who are casually listening to us you know, you saw that moment to see the beauty of this game, why, why you get excited and and deliver passionate speeches about the sport. That's why, like, this is why this moment, that feel good moment that I hope you got people had watched the world cup as a neutral, as a new fan, like, this is why you watch it. Like, yeah, this is why. Yeah. Uh, I think it helps me particularly, I'll just I'll use a me statement instead of an us or speak for everybody. It helps me feel more like a citizen of the world um, to you know, be a part of what just happened and then be able to observe the impact it has on all the cultures around. And it's just a really special thing. And like the Super Bowl is a massive event. Uh, I know it's amazing. It's the pinnacle of the U.S. sports calendar. I think about 100 to 120 million people watch it. The estimate I saw for the World Cup was 1.5 billion globally. Yeah. We just like try to put that in perspective when you feel like everybody in the world is talking or everything or everybody around you is talking about the Super Bowl. And this was an event enjoyed on a global scale at like 10 to 15 X that size. It's just really hard to contemplate. And it's um, it was an amazing experience. But unfortunately, Brett, it is over. Uh, we have another World Cup in, what, six months for the women's side. So maybe we'll be back to talk about that. We don't have to put World Cup action away for all of three and a half years. Uh, but we do have to put it away on the men's side and come back to our beloved Premier League. And this, Brett, this feels weird. Yes. Um, it feels so weird. I mean, usually after World Cup, we have time to recover and there's, you know, signings of World Cup stars into all the new rosters. And then you get really excited because of uh, preseason and, you know, all the transfer portal stuff. Like it's just the usual cycle, right? Like it's um, what we go through every offseason with the added benefit of just having observed the greatest sporting event in the world. Like here, this is, I don't even know how, I don't even know how to wrap my head around it. So anybody within the sound of my voice, Fade my picks this week. Uh, I am completely lost. I don't know, Brett, if you feel a whole much more confident because like we saw 14, 15 games from each one of these teams where they went away for a month. Some of their players got hurt. Some of them were worn down. Some of them had new time to train. Um, I don't know what to take from the 14 of how it applies to this week. I think we'll start to feel pretty good after we watch, you know, one to two games. We'll have an idea of the impact. But we're talking about like an unprecedented event. They didn't just come off of a preseason. We were not evaluating them as if it's a new season, but it feels more like a preview of a new season than it does a week-to-week handicapping of a gambling show. 
Yeah, that I mean, there were points where I was looking back and prep for the show and I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. Like, I had completely forgotten that Brentford beat City right before we went to the World Cup. I, I totally forgot that Unai Emery is now managing at Aston Villa and he kind of changed their formation around a little bit. Like, and then, you know, then, of course, like you're talking about, there's the calculus that it, it's an unknowable, but you got if you're going to gamble like we are, like you have to still, still try to figure it out. But like, Who's going to be too tired to play? Who's going to be fired up from this World Cup? Like, you know, is there going to be guys that are going to come out like on fire? Are they going to come out dead? Are they not going to play? Like, we don't know any of that. (laughs) So it's there's so many questions about this um, going forward. I mean, the only thing I feel remotely confident on, and it'll come up in the city preview in the five line. Pretty sure Erling Holland is going to score like 700 goals when we come back here. That's not the only thing. Other than that, I got I got no confidence on anything. It is also in my five pints. So we we have mutual confidence in the exact same dang thing that the world's greatest goal scorer who's been sitting on his hands for 30 days is going to come and wreck the league. Yep. Um, so I think if we had more time and it wasn't Christmas and Boxing Day and the end of the World Cup, like this absolutely insane show that we're trying to do, we'd probably help people dig in, maybe pick a team if they're coming in post-World Cup, some players to talk about that they saw on the World Cup that they're going to see in the Premier League. We'll mix some of that in today, but if you'll stick with us into January, I think we could do more of that. But we're honestly, guys, we're just like, we're just trying not to drown right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through each of the top 16 or not the top six. I shouldn't say that because uh, Newcastle and Brighton might have something to say, but Mm -hmm. the big six Premier League teams traditionally that we cover each and every week, we're going to walk through them. We're going to talk quickly about their future odds and then talk about their match up this week so rather go in chronological order we're going to go in team order uh listed by current standings in the table so given that structure uh brett we actually aren't talking about manchester city first if you talk about forgetting things that aren't you know that happened before they are not the top of the table uh arsenal arsenal is first at 37 points and their current future odds brett to win the premier league is plus 225 and the top four finish is minus 2,000. Do you feel strongly about either of those to put a couple of units on it? No, I, honestly, I don't. Um, and I think the big reason would be what happened in the World Cup. We just talked about impact from that. Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he was such a catalyst for, I think, what they did. It is going to be such a drop-off for them. Um, and, 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 and not only do we have to factor that in, that there's going to be a drop-off from Jesus. It's going to be about, out about three months from Nikedia or Emil Smith-Rowe or however they juggle the lineup around it to fix it. But like um, Arteta has started to take Europa League seriously and we're going to start getting into Europa League knockout rounds. And Arsenal is going to be one of the favorites to obviously win the Europa League. So there's not only a missing piece right now, but there's a squad depth issue that's going to be occurring as well. So I... I see them as the only one, obviously, because of the point tally that they've racked up um, as being the actual legitimate contender to City's title chase. But like, do I have any confidence even at plus 225 to bet on it? Probably not. I'm completely with you, um, unfortunately. Like, I'd love to be at odds with you about this, but like. We did the show last year and a weekly theme was, you know, is Arsenal good or not? Um, And it was a lot because of the 
the lack of firepower at the nine position at the like leading the line. And they would have a lot of possession. They'd play through the middle. And then by the time they got down to the final third, they didn't have the incisiveness in order to kind of put teams away. And so they struggled to make it into Champions League as a result of not having them. They looked incredible with Jesus on like the form of his life, freeing from Manchester City and finally having a team of his own and like took the league by storm in the first 10 games. Uh, and take that away. Are we are they gonna go all the way back to what we saw last year? Probably not. I mean, Martinelli is strides better this year. Saka's definitely developed. We saw even that that in the World Cup where he looked really good for England. Uh, so I think they are not going to revert all the way back to last year's form. But am I willing to bet that they're gonna just keep on rolling with the key piece they added in the offseason that changed their trajectory now gone for two months? I can't bet on that. I, I don't know what we're going to see. I mean, like maybe maybe two games from now or maybe hell by the end of Boxing Day, I'll come out and, and sing a different song. But I I feel like this is one of the biggest injuries that could have happened to anybody in the league. And it happened to them. Yeah, I mean, that I think that's a perfect way to kind of end it on, on that one is this. This was the one injury that I think a top team needed to fade and they just didn't fade it. Um, and I'm the only thing I can really add to that is. We talk about Jesus in terms of his ability to put the ball in the back of the net, but we also got to remember that Arsenal has been fantastic defensively this year. And Pep Guardiola has called him one of the best pressing forwards in the world. And now we have to figure out what's that going to do to the other end too. So I still have confidence. They'll still be pretty good there, but I mean, there's going to be a drop off on that end as well. Yeah, and how much of Saka and uh, Martinelli's like strides forward this year is because of the extra space right. that Jesus was creating, not only from yeah. the attention from the center backs, but also Jesus's off-ball movement this year has been spectacular. So uh, will they have the same space? And probably not. Are they better now to operate in closer quarters with a little more attention paid to them? That's what we have to see. Then that's what we're going to see between now and mid-February while Jesus is resting. Uh, the first time we are going to see them is on Boxing Day, which is... Uh, against West Ham, who West Ham for everybody is 16th right now at 14 points. They're one of the most disappointing teams in the league this year. This game is going to be at 3 p.m. Eastern. The line on it over at Caesars, Arsenal is minus 200. West Ham is plus 525. The draw is plus 325. On an adjusted line on the spread, Arsenal minus a goal and a half is plus 140. West Ham is minus 180. So, Brett, since you're smarter than me and you probably have a better memory of me of what West Ham looked like uh, in November and early December, why don't you go ahead and go first? Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody really wants to we, we push the West Ham out of your brain space. It's really the advice I would give there. Um, no, they had some pretty bad losses to Leicester and Crystal Palace right before um, the World Cup break came on. And I mean, really, there's nothing to add. They've been really disappointing. And the big thing is pretty much ever since Miguel Antonio stopped scoring goals randomly during his year and a half where he became incredibly awesome, um, the attack has been impotent. Uh, and Jared Bowen, we we gave him a ton of love last year. We thought he was on the rise. He was kind of the right age to kind of ascend maybe to another level. Um, and he has instead went backwards this year. Uh, and the sad part is, is him going backwards He's still the player that is getting probably the best shooting locations of anybody on West Ham. And that's not a good thing. Um, so I, I, I have a lot of questions about Arsenal. We have just talked to them at, at great detail of what the trickle down effect of Jesus being gone is going to be. Um, but I, there is literally nothing about the West Ham that we left off with. Um, unless David Moyes did some pretty 
amazing and spectacular things in training with his uh, newfound month off in the middle of the season. I don't really think that there's going to be some like resurgence from West Ham without them actually getting an attacker that's going to like push them to a new level in January. With the yeah. current team, I I think you bet against them and you go with Arsenal. <laughs> well, I largely agreed with you, and I stared at this one for a little while. Um, in terms of West Ham, like Declan Rice had a decent World Cup. I think he was good in the defensive midfield for England, but he played a lot of minutes. Uh, so we're going to see if there's any sort of effects. I know they went out in the quarters, but he put a lot of time on his legs in the last. Also, uh, the value of Declan that. Rice would be its own podcast with us. So <laughs> it's 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 very ambiguous to me sometimes. <laughs> well, I look forward to having that discussion when Chelsea signs him for 80 million bucks in the offseason. Um, and then the other West Ham big contributor at the World Cup was Paqueta for uh, Brazil. Another guy who had a decent cup, didn't play all the minutes that Declan Rice did, but I thought he was pretty impressive in the time that he did play. So, you know, you don't want to take too much recency bias, but given the amount of football that we just watched, I think it's natural for some of those thoughts to start uh, creeping into your head. Um, overall, I I just hate the Arsenal numbers. I hate them. I hate them. Yeah, like Arsenal I mean, minus 200 without Jesus when we don't know what we're going to see when we saw them draw so many teams last year that they should have beat or to take them on the adjusted line all the way up to plus 140 uh, when my biggest questions are not on the defensive end or they're on the goal scoring side. I just can't take either number. Uh, it's not that I'm heavy on West Ham. I have to see something for from Arsenal before I lay something as heavy as minus 200. So, Brett, uh, it's not quite a new year, so I don't want to say new year, new Toby. But I am taking the coward's way out. So yeah, I think the uh, the best number on the board because I certainly can't take West Ham to beat them outright is the draw at plus three twenty five. Uh, but my prop bet, which is what I will actually wager on, not either not the draw that I just uh, gave out, the one I would actually put a unit on is both teams to score no at minus one twenty. You already talked about West Ham having some struggles up there. If Antonio is not, you know, completely on fire, uh, and we've already kind of gone on in length about what we don't know to expect from Arsenal without Jesus. So all you need is one of them to take a nil. I think both of them have a chance to go nil in this game, and getting them at minus one twenty is a nice number to me. Yeah, um, I, I, I guess the one thing I I don't know, and and this is going to be the Jesus effect that we'll, we'll have to find out as we go kind of thing um, is Arsenal has just generally done a pretty good job of like pinning teams in their, in their final third, very good mark of a good team. Um, so I did somehow talk myself and I'm like, you, I'm not going to, I would never bet this, but the minus one and a half at plus plus one forty is about the only Arsenal related number that I, that made any semblance of sense. Um, but the, the one that I, I, I feel best about, is the plus one forty Arsenal clean sheet win line? Um, I, I just it's it's a bet against West Ham. Like you, you mentioned, yeah. the players that have played well for them in the World Cup, both of them are midfielders. Um, the other guys weren't basically playing for any of the countries that were over there because they weren't good enough, and they haven't been good um, at all in the Premier League this season. So uh, I still think Arsenal uh, they're going to have some some things that are you were going to see pop up in the absence of Jesus. But this West Ham team seems like they're very mid-table-ish right now. It's a classic David Moyes Everton team, I think, going on right now. Yeah. They're pretty. They're going to be pretty solid defensively, but I just think the goal scoring is going to be tough. And I think if Arsenal is going to win, 
it's probably a good chance that there's going to be zero goals on the West Ham side. So not super excited, but what pick? I don't think this week, am I going to be excited about probably none of them? Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll well, take the plus 140 clean sheet win, do the good team, good thing thing. All right. Well, let's get to the next one we're not excited about, but it's a team that we're very excited about, which is Manchester City. Manchester City is second at 32 points. So they are five points behind Arsenal, which is the only reason you're getting a semi non-obscene line for them to win the Premier League, in my opinion. The uh, the odds on that is minus 222 currently over at Caesars and a top four finish is minus 25,000 Brett. So uh, unless you're actually rich enough to own Manchester city, that's something incredible (laughs) to lay. I'd probably stay away from that from the average Joe, Uh, but the odds to win the premier league, Minus 222. I know something where that comes out minus 222 is very strange to describe as good value. But since we are already having discussions about whether the greatest uh, Premier League team of all time, since I think we're only getting the number because of the five point cushion, because Arsenal just had one of the most like worst injuries anybody could have in the Premier League to a key player, I think. Uh, a month from now, this could be minus a thousand, could be minus two thousand. Like they could be up by four points after five more rounds of games. Like who knows? I I think this is your last chance to grab this bet and get any sort of decent return on it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, and and I think the other way to look at it too is if you look through the World Cup, Haaland didn't play. De Bruyne got bounced in the uh, in the round of sixteen. Gundogan got bounced from pool play. Uh, Foden barely played for England. Cancelo very barely played for Portugal. Ederson was the backup in Brazil, like on and on. I mean, really, John Stones is probably the only guy that probably logged super heavy minutes. Um, oh, you're forgetting our and, boy and Alvarez. And Julian Alvarez and Julian Alvarez, who is not a nailed on starter for them, wildly enough. Julian, um, Julian Alvarez is the only injury guy they have right now, and it's just from a hangover. <laughs> yeah, that's it from the from the party in Buenos Aires. Um, but, but I mean, that's the thing is Alvarez, you know, doesn't register because he's not a, a nail bond regular starter for them. So, yeah, I, I think, I think this team is ready to rip. I, I can't imagine a maniac like Holland sitting watching that world cup and not just being ready to come back and just rip this league and new, you know what? Um, so I, I, I think if you're going to bet city at this point, that number is only going up and it's going to go up really quickly. So if you want to bet them, if you want to make some money, you want to have something tied into a futures bet, just take it now. This is the lowest it'll ever be. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's get into their matchup this week, which is with the new darling of the Premier League for American fans. They are playing Leeds, who are currently at 15 uh, at 15 points. This game is not on Boxing Day. This game is Wednesday. It's a week from now. We're recording Wednesday night at 3 uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. Manchester City at Caesars is minus 350. Leeds is plus 900. The draw is plus 450. On an adjusted line, Manchester City minus a goal and a half is minus 130. Leeds is plus 100. So we... I think we both know where we're going to end up going in this game. Like we're probably going to like salivate over every city line we can get every over line. We can get every Holland line we can get like hate to be a spoiler alert and then say that's where I, I'm already guessing both of us are leaning, but let's just take one second to talk about leads managed by Jesse Marsh and featuring the true darling of every American's eye uh, during the world cup, Tyler Adams. I know Aronson didn't get as much run, but Tyler Adams got so much great publicity uh, deservingly so. So one of the 
10 to 15 best players in the, at least in the pool play of the entire world cup, incredibly influential was America's captain. Uh, so impressive off the field, dealing with a lot of the media scrutiny that they came under given the circumstances of the world cup. Um, this guy has star written all over him to the point where I went back and looked at his premier league stats. I was like, huh, guy was just kind of average. So do you think Tyler Adams is going to build off the form that we just saw uh, when he's playing for the United States of America? Or do you think that was just an absolute adrenaline rush of patriotism playing for his country versus playing for a club like Leeds? Uh, I think it's the context of the World Cup, right? And we had we had Ryan O'Hanlon on um, before and we kind of talked about how because of the way that that international games don't really reflect club games in terms of the intensity of the pressing, um, and just because of the openness of a midfield, typically in international games, it basically it's it's the perfect place for Tyler Adams to shine because his thing mm. is the ranginess, is the ball winning, is closing down all the gaps, and he has those opportunities and the, and the ability to do that more on an international setting. Um, and then he also can get on the ball a little bit more because there's less pressing. You know, there isn't he's not playing a team like Manchester City that's like going to pin him back and just basically make him run from Cancelo to Foden without the balls. They pass it back and forth with each other. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Tyler Adams is good. The other thing we got to remember about him is he's young. Um, so yeah. believe me, seeing that type of performance from a young player is still fantastic. It's not like something that you just throw away in the trash. Uh, but I do think the World Cup kind of highlights things that can make him look really good. And, and when you get back into Premier League land, he's more in the nice prospect range than he is like emerging superstar right so he's got a way to go there's a way to go between him and N'Golo Conte even though he looked like N'Golo Conte in the World Cup that's such a great point that the context of the international game helps very specific players so thanks for educating our audience on that that makes complete sense to me uh but obviously like I'm going to be rooting that guy on with my full heart even oh, if yeah, I'm I want to be like the Pied Piper except instead of luring children I want to lure people to be fans of a club in Central England, right? They're outside of Manchester. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm right. Thanks for clarifying that you're not trying to lure children, Brett. I think that's important to our sponsors. It is. That is very good. But yeah, be be a Leeds fan. You got three Americans to root for. They got a young, exciting team. If you're trying to pick a team after the World Cup and you're you're listening in, Leeds, baby. Come to Leeds. Well, maybe maybe don't tune in next Wednesday though, because I'm not sure you're going to want to be a Leeds fan uh, after oh, this just, rubbing. Just wait, because I will Manchester be City. surprising you in just one second. Okay, all right. Well, uh, I'll just go first then. Give me the adjusted line. The only question in my mind was how far to adjust it up. I'll take it at just because it's the first game we're going to see. I'm going to go at minus um, one and a half is minus one thirty, and then I'm going to go with Holland. Um, uh, parlayed with that. So Holland is an anytime goal scorer uh, parlayed with Manchester city to win by at least two gets you up to plus plus one twenty five. So that's my prop. And as I said, my only question was how many times is he going to score? How many times is Manchester city going to score? How bad is Leeds going to lose? I can't wait to hear your surprise. All right. So I am actually taking the lead spread and here is why. First off, if you look at the numbers at the spreadsheets, Toby, if you look at the spreadsheets, Leeds has actually played the top six teams really close and really well. Obviously, the the win against Liverpool in a super exciting match, that was, you know, going to be the ultimate match that they had. Uh, but they played Spurs close, even though they lost. I think that they are a team and, a, and they play a style 
uh, that is a very interesting in terms of how they interact with the other teams in the league. Because they play kind of an aggressive pressing 4-2-3-1, they, they, they do not at all deviate from their, their goal under Marsh of trying to win the ball back higher up the field. They don't just sit back against these big clubs. They are uniquely suited to keep these games close. Now, the flip side is that style, not as much as they did under Bielsa, can also get them ripped open against teams that are really good. But I also think it's what keeps them in games. And I think it's because it's one of the things, too, that makes them also get into dicey matches against a team like Bournemouth is because they don't really control a match as much as they want to turn it into a track meet. So I think the thing with Leeds going against these bigger clubs is that they're sort of uniquely suited as an underdog to make things really testy. And they test these big clubs in ways that like a team like Nottingham Forest isn't going to. In the sense that Forest is going to play passively, they're going to sit back, they're going to play the classic Toby favorite of parking the bus. Leeds is going to be like, we don't care. We're pressing you right in the minute the ball leaves Ederson foot. We are going to trigger our pressing. We're going to try to win the ball back. We're going to continue to bring energy throughout 90 minutes. So, so far it's worked as they played these crazy, fun, super competitive matches against the bigger clubs. I'm kind of betting on that to continue to happen. So I'm actually taking them at plus 100 uh, for them to be plus 1.5. I will take them because I also think there's a a little tiny bit of win equity here. Now, that said, said, I am going to probably pull a first here. Uh, As of my prep time, which is about three or four hours ago, uh, there was no anytime goal scoring numbers, much less a two-time goal scoring number. I don't really care what the Holland two-goal number is. I will bet that blind. (laughs) That is going to be my prop bet. I don't need a number. I am so convinced this dude is going to just rail on the Premier League when we come back. I don't even need to see the number yet. I'm just that, that's my prop. Make it minus 800. I'll bet it. Don't care. <laughs> so you're saying that you're taking Leeds to keep it close, but Holland to score at least two. So like you either think Leeds has enough firepower against this incredible juggernaut to put up two or three. City's been like two one exactly. It's city's been I said city's been vulnerable on that, and they are not the same defensive city. Also, their last match was a four-three loss against Spurs, and that that could have had about two extra goals in there too. So I can very easily see a three-two type match with Holland having two of the three goals. I think as a public service announcement, uh, I need to tell everybody that Brett's struggling with uh, sickness right now that we keep having to stop down the podcast because he's coughing and he's clearly feverish. And now I know he's delirious. So one, you're trying to figure out what you're going to gamble on. I, I like, I, I owe it to you to let you guys know that. And I think he just kind of exposed himself. So I'm not calling him out for anything. He didn't just tell you directly. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, man, I'm just, I'm happy. I did a show first after all these episodes together. I just did a blind bet. I don't even care what the number is. I just did a blind bet. I'm taking it. And it will be in my five pint as a blind oh my, bet. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't know how we're going to do a graphic yeah, with a blind bet, but that's yeah, a micro problem. We're going to have to talk about that one. I might need to switch it just because we can't do a graphic for it. But. Uh, all right. So as Brett coughs off mic, we are going to take a really quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll, we'll be back to talk about the other four teams. 
Have you been betting with the Caesar Sportsbook and Casino app? If so, keep it up because every bet earns with Caesar's rewards. That means win or lose, you're getting closer to amazing perks like game tickets, free stays, bonuses, and more. And if not, well, when you get started, your first bet is on Caesars. Register with promo code OMAHAFULL and place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, congrats. If you don't, You'll get your stake back as a free bet. 21 years plus only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 or more wager only must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit, $1,250 must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas. Affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans, Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, everyone, we are back. And I should have mentioned this at the top of the show. I'll probably mention it again at the end. We are doing something very exciting here at the Extra Points Podcast Network. I had to get right into the World Cup that I didn't even uh, talk about our big announcement. We are doing our first live event. So we will be in Las Vegas on January 8th and 9th uh, for Football Americano Extravaganza. We will be doing a Week 18 watch party at the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club. That is a free event, uh, so please come. The entire Extra Point staff will be there, myself and Brett in- included. We will be the guys they put in the corner just so they can make fun of someone <laughs> as they like roid up and bang each other with helmets. Um, and then on the next day, we are doing a ticketed event, which is going to be a 
pregame for the national title game. I think tickets are like 20 bucks. Uh, you can get them over at Ticketmaster. We'll do a live taping of the Extra Points podcast. We'll do a meet and greet afterwards. You'll get to hang out with all of us. And then um, we'll open the doors back up to the public. And then we'll do another watch party for the national title game that night. So we're super excited. This is something Sal and I have wanted to do since the very beginning of the company. Uh, there was a global pandemic that stood in our way for a little while. But hey, I think we're done with all of that. We are ready to come out. We are ready to hang out with you. And we are ready to uh, put down some action together and have a lot of fun in Vegas. So hope to see you guys on the 8th and 9th and come say hi to the nerds in the corner, not just Sal and all the cool kids that are up on stage. Uh, so speaking of cool kids, um, that's a horrible segue because I don't think they're cool at all. This is Tottenham. Fourth at 29 points. You might notice that we skipped third because third is Newcastle, a team that we are going to talk a lot about, but I'm sticking to the big six. It's probably a big seven, but uh, we only have so much show on this first show back. So skipping over Newcastle for today, we're going straight to Tottenham to win the Premier League. They are minus, I'm sorry, they are plus 5,000. A top four finish is plus 120. Brett, either one of those numbers, are you willing to put your own money on? No, Spurs are, we talked about having some questions about Jesus with Arsenal. There is one question mark around what one player is going to impact Arsenal. I have about 50 question marks that I'll just be throwing at every single avenue of Spurs. I, they are, uh, we talked about this before. They had probably the most involvement with their key players as far as World Cup. Bentoncourt uh, for Uruguay, Hoiberg for Denmark, Larissa obviously played all the way to a final, Christian Romero played all the way to, to a final. Sun let it drag his South Korea team into the knockout rounds. Harry Kane, obviously, don't need to talk about that if you watch the World Cup at all, you know where Harry Kane was at a certain point in time. Um, so I have no idea what this team uh, you, is going you, to... You actually left somebody out. Richarlison got hurt. Richarlison as well. Yeah, Richarlison um, got hurt. Yep. And so we have no idea what this team is going to look like. Uh, oh, and oh, yeah. And we've got to mention that Perisic played like every, almost every available for Croatia, and he already looked washed coming into this. So, yeah, I, I don't know what this team is going to look like. My gut tells me that they are going to crater the other direction. Um, I do not see any path logically that makes me think they are going to rise in a challenge at the top. Um, I think this that could actually get ugly for Spurs. I think they're lucky they bank the points that they have. Uh, um, any other direction towards City, I just don't. I I can't actually make that argument. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Don Antonio Conte, uh, and that soft spot has caused some softness in my bank account because I kept backing the guy, and they faded. And they were already fading before the World Cup, before their key players logged all the minutes that they did. You were often talking about in our World Cup episodes about zombie Harry Kane, and now he's <laughs> not uh, the captain of his country and trying to drag them to their first World Cup since 1966 and having all that emotional with him that was driving him forward. Now he's just a guy playing in Brentford, um, I mean, it is Boxing Day, so it'll only get worse. Like, eventually it'll be a cold night in Stoke, and will he still have the same fire to drag his tired legs to matches like that, unlike the World Cup? And they're definitely tired, and there's not going to be a lot of rest for them. Um, they have a lot of fixtures coming up, and they don't have ability to rotate very much after Richarlison got hurt. So I am aligned with you. Uh, I think they are more likely to fade than they are to rise. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, if somebody wants to make that argument, please feel free. I would love to listen to it, but I can't figure one out. If I was to make the argument, it would have had to have been, well, Conte got time to work with these guys and really drill them, and they're going to win a lot of 1-0 games because they're going to be so well organized defensively. But that didn't work because of their World Cup involvement and because guys didn't, you know, they went deep into the tournament, as you already smartly pointed out. And so without that time together on the training ground and with those tired legs, I think they're in for a rough month. Um, I could be wrong. They could come out and be gangbusters against uh, Brentford here on Boxing Day, and I'll have to eat these words. But until I see otherwise, my default state is to fade Tottenham until they prove me wrong. Yeah, and so, I think that's a great, great state to be in. And so that brings us right into this matchup, right? So I keep saying they are playing Brentford. This game is leading off Boxing Day. This is at 7.30 a.m. on the 26th. Brentford is 10th and 19 points. Uh, Right off of the back, as you said, like this absolutely shock result against City right before the World Cup that all of us forgot about. And we didn't even talk enough about what had happened because we were all geared up to get into the greatest sporting event in the world. Uh, Spurs for this game are minus 116. Brentford is plus 300 the draw is plus 265 tottenham uh is minus half a goal is minus 120 and our friends over at caesars has brentford at minus 110 uh so for all the reasons i'm saying i don't think there's a lot more to unpack here brent uh give me brentford plus 300 i like the number i think you know if you're getting this to happen one out of every four times coming off of the world cup and uh feeling a little bit uncertain about how tottenham is going to bounce back after all the deep runs their players went i think it's a great number and it's almost blind right like i wouldn't do it for forest but when you take a, a top half team uh that has rested players like ivan tony who hopefully didn't spend the entire time gambling at caesars and spent a little time on the training ground uh i think they can easily get a 1-0 Two one two over win in this Boxing Day fixture. Yeah, you know the Tony situation is interesting that you bring it up. Um, that's probably the one hangup of why I took the cowards way off uh, out with the draw at plus two sixty five. Is um, for those who aren't familiar, Ivan Tony is Brentford's kind of main goal scoring threat, but he's also been charged with the FA of like sixty five thousand counts of gambling against the sport. Um, oh, yeah. It's a little bit different if for people that follow along, like Karrion Trippier. Um, was suspended, I think, like 10 weeks. He essentially was like an insider trading thing. He basically told people like what was going on with his transfer and they used that to bet. Um, this is different. Like Tony went like Pete Rose and was just betting on everything, but he's still playing. Like he scored the two goals against City uh, and the first charges were actually levied against him there. He says he's cooperating. I think he's going to play this match. I think he's going to continue playing. Um so uh, that kind of uncertainty, like couldn't get me to Brentford, which is where part of the reason why I en- ended up at the draw. Uh, but I do have a both the score bet that I actually do really like that's minus 135. Spurs have been a little leaky. We, we talked about, you talked about how Conte might be trying to get them more organized during their time away from the world cup, but like it hasn't been there. Um, and we also might see uh, Larice maybe probably gets rotated out and rest because he just played a world cup final a week ago. Uh, maybe he's a goalkeeper, so he doesn't, but like, if we see Frazier Forster in there, that's going to make me want to like bet more heavily on the fact that Brentford's going to have a, a goal in this match. Um, and they seem to be the question mark. They're going to give up one and minus minus one thirty-five isn't great, but I, again, this is your philosophy. I kind of want to fade all things Spurs, including them being a shutdown defensive team. Yeah. Well, 
uh, Ivan Tony, you can look at the video that we have. Uh, look at Brett's pink walls and his sparse decorations and things like that. We don't pay that well, uh, but there is always a place for you at the Extra Points Podcast Network after you hang it up. You Absolutely. are one of us. One of us. Please one come of on. Us. We could use I mean, a third guest host. Come on. Yeah. Up. Unless you were uh, fixing matches, then not one of us. Not one of us. You stay far <laughs> away from us. Um, so, yeah, I already gave out Brentford. I'm I'm the other side of your both teams to score. I mean, there's a world in which we're both right. Uh, I'm not both teams to score. No, I'm just taking the under 2.5 at minus 110. I think mm-hmm. given the tired legs, given the rustiness, and given uh, his best chance to win in this match, in my mind, is, is for uh, the Don to muck this game up. I can easily see this being a pretty ugly match played through the middle. Not a lot of goal scoring opportunities either way that he's just trying to eke out one zero and get his guys a little bit of rest. So I'm going to go with the under 2.5 and minus 110. Yeah. And I mean, again, we're, we're both kind of coming into this, trying to read tea leaves to, to figure out if there's any edges anywhere. We'll just, we'll be finding out along with the rest of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I told you at the beginning, fade my picks folks. Uh, now speaking of fading Manchester United fifth at 26 points to win the premier league. They are plus 6,500. A top four finish is plus 120. Brett is any of your money going to Manchester United on either of those future bets? Yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't like that. We report these shows like to just say this to you privately. Plus 120 for the top four doesn't seem too bad for United. <laughs> um, I, I just, uh, they've been a little bit better since Casemiro has been involved. I, I think there's enough there and it's mostly a bet against Chelsea and Spurs, right? Like Liverpool seem like they're going to shoot up the table. Uh, they're going to join city and Arsenal. There's one spot left. Is Newcastle uh, that much better? You're forgetting about Newcastle, sir. I, I'm just saying is Newcastle that much better? Like, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it's not horrible value. I don't know if I'd bet it. I just don't think it's horrible value. I think they're the best of the traditional, they're the best bet of the traditional top six to take the fourth spot. That's where I'll leave it. Uh, Well, I completely disagree with you, but we'll get to that later. Um, I think there's only one great argument and it's um, they rated themselves with Cristiano Ronaldo. Like it's so weird to we talk argument, about this though. every single time that one of the greatest players ever lived is dragging any team that he suits up for down in their performance. As long I mean, yes, he will lift the spirits of Saudi Arabia's team. Like he will be the best player in in that league. Congratulations. But when he's surrounded by, you know, excellent talent like uh Portugal or like Manchester United, they are demonstrably worse when he is in their lineup. So having that. Uh, temptation and that expectation to put him out there completely removed is a big bump for them. Um, and having the locker room drama settled and like, you know, kind of an example set that nobody's bigger than the club, not even an icon of his stature, uh, I think is a powerful message that is important that they sent. Uh, I still not still would not bet them at plus 120 because I think Newcastle is better than them. And I think Liverpool and Newcastle are both more likely to finish ahead of United. So they won't be getting my money. But if you were to make the argument, I would start and end with uh, the end of Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're, and, and the thing is, is that at this point, Ronaldo is a guy that generates a bunch of mediocre shots and does nothing else. And they're going to replace his minutes with younger players that, A, could potentially get a lot better, um, like Ilanga, 
um, or B that are just are just better, um, like Rashford yeah. and Sancho. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I I just think that it, it's a big boost for them. I just think they've been solid enough. Um, you know that we don't know how seriously they're going to take their European stuff, but I my guess is is that they have a chance for the top four. That's going to be the priority. So, yep. And, and, well, and again, I like Newcastle as much as the next guy. I think they're really good, but we also haven't. I mean, they haven't done it yet, right? Like, uh-huh. they, I mean, I, you can say the same. You're, 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 tell, while, you're but... telling on yourself right now because the next guy is me, and I like them more than you based on your BS response <laughs> you just gave. But we'll save that for next week when we get back into Newcastle. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Manchester United and their march to the top four that Brett sees happening, uh, starting against Mon- Nottingham Forest on Tuesday at 3 p.m. And if you're going to get one game back from the break, you probably want it to be Forest. So this is a great schedule fixture for them. Uh, Manchester United is minus 320. Forest is plus 850. The draw is plus 410. Manchester United minus a goal and a half is minus 110. Forest is minus 120. Uh, despite some of the negativity that you're feeling for me out of United, I am absolutely happy to take the adjusted line of this match, Brett. Uh, Forest is awful. They could have spent all 30 days practicing together nonstop, and I think they would still be awful. Um, and I think United is going to benefit from having Ronaldo gone and is going to catch an immediate bump. And I think a lot of that bump, and we've talked about this in the past when we talked about um, Ronaldo being left out of individual games, I think a lot of it happens through Marcus Rashford. I thought he was excellent in the World Cup. I thought he was one of the biggest bright spots for England, uh, not just from the goal scoring, but just his general play, like his movement, uh, his defensive effort. Like I thought he was just excellent all over the field. I think that's going to carry into the club. I think he's going to be buoyed by the fact that he's now going to be the man, uh, now that Ronaldo is gone. And so I was just looking at lines for him where I can capitalize on that. Anytime wasn't quite juicy enough for me. Um, and I think that he, as the leader of the line, is the most likely guy to score by quite a wide margin. Although I guess I guess Fernandez will take penalties now. I don't know. Maybe you yeah, have some information so. on that. Yeah, I think Fernandez will. Um so you don't get the penalty equity, but I liked the adjusted on Rashford for first goal scorer. Um, is all the way up to plus 470. So I think he can put a stamp on it early. I like him as the most likely guy to get any goal uh, that they score. And so getting him on the first at plus 470 was a nice number. Yeah, I mean, I'm basically there with you. I, I mean, I've taken the adjusted line. I'm actually taking the the both teams to score. Yes, is, is plus 100. Um, and this is, a, this is a Harry Maguire bet, essentially. Um, because when you look at United center back combos that are are there, their top three guys, the top two just played in the World Cup final and Martinez and, and Veron. And Veron actually was one of the players that was rumored to be really sick uh, before the final. And then the next guy up is Harry Maguire, who A, just went to the quarters, um, and B, is Toby's favorite whipping boy. So I, I think that... <laughs> He's, no, 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 no. He's every attacker in the Premier League's favorite whipping boy. That's I'm true. not one of them. I have lots of company. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think my bet is against that. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of an unsettled center back pairing. Uh, we might see a Victor Lindelof appearance somewhere around here. Um, so I, I like the yes on both teams to score because they haven't been airtight, but Forrest cannot stop anybody. Um, their defense is horrendous. Um, so I see the goals from United, and I think if they get up two, three, there's always the shut off, the switch off goal that they allow. And just the fact that I think their center back pairing is going to be a little bit unorthodox while they try to figure some things out with guys that are coming back into the fold. All right. 
Well, we have two more teams. And so let's take one last quick break and then let's rip through Liverpool, Chelsea, do the five pint and get people into their holidays. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. Uh, as I mentioned, two teams left, and the first one to talk about is Liverpool, sixth at 22 points. To win the Premier League, they're plus 3,000. Top four finish is minus 150. So despite the fact that they are sixth and behind Tottenham, Manchester United, and Newcastle right now, they are the third favorite to finish top four. How do you feel about that, Brad? Do you think that's right or wrong? 100% right. Uh, this is another team that seems poised to just kind of shoot up the table. Um, again, their best player, Mo Salah, not at the World Cup. Um, the only drawback that you can make is uh, Jota and Luis Diaz are both going to still be out at least another month through the end of January, which isn't great. Uh, but then you remember that they have Darwin Nunez and Firmino and Harvey Elliott and, and um, a lot a lot of time together with Jurgen Klopp. And Trenor, Alexander Arnold didn't play at all during the World Cup, um, so he will be fine and rested. I think this team is ready to explode at the table. They had gotten a little unlucky for their table position anyways. Um, So this line doesn't have much value because they are definitely, definitely a favorite for me to to be in the top four. Yeah, I I gotta hate keeping agreeing with you on this top four stuff, but I, I don't think any of the teams benefited as much from the World Cup break as much as Liverpool did. Like Salah got to rest. Thiago didn't even go. Thiago needed time to recover. Like if we're going to, if all their podcast right there too, if based on uh, him getting 30 days off and just to train and he like starts to recur to even resemble last year's form, then that's a reason enough for them to shoot up the table. And as you mentioned, Trent Alexander Arnold didn't feature at all. So he had to train, but that was it. So they're arguably three most important players are fresh as a daisy, which no other team in the top six can really say, I don't think. So I think well, this it, is it, Oh, I was gonna say, and the timing of the injuries with Diaz and, and Jota is they didn't miss any matches. They got hurt, yeah. and then the World Cup break started in normal season. They're missing eight matches probably, and now they're only going to miss maybe four to five. So th- that's a huge boost for Liverpool that, that the injury timing worked out. I mean, it's terrible, obviously, for Joachim to miss the World Cup, but like the, the injury timing for them was perfect. And that's yeah. We are really benefited from the break. And so the first time we will see them is also on Boxing Day. This game is 1130 a.m. on Monday, and it's against Aston Villa. 12th at 18 points. Liverpool as minus 145. Aston Villa is plus 360. The draw is plus 295. Pool minus half a goal over at Caesars is minus 155. Aston Villa is plus 122. So we're talking right before the show. And speaking of things that we had kind of forgotten, Aston Villa, 
uh, new manager, new tactics, a lot of time on the training ground that he was able to spend with the lads over the World Cup. Do you think that'll make a difference in this match at whatsoever, or are you still heavy on Liverpool? Yeah, actually, uh, I really liked what Emery did his last match. Um, basically, Aston Villa's problem is that most of their attackers are not good, <laughs> to put it simply. Um, Danny Ings is probably the, remotely the only guy that still gets some decent chances to create goals. Um, uh, Emmy Buendia is probably the only player that has a lot of creative juice now that Coutinho apparently has completely fallen off a cliff. Um, and then, you know, the other guys were just not that good. Uh, Leon Bailey didn't really work out as a transfer. Uh, Traore, uh, Burton Traore also didn't really work out for him. And what Emery did was like, I'm going to play my two attackers that could kind of do something on top of a 4-4-2 and then play all my midfielders who are good. Uh, that's John McGinn. Uh, that's uh, Jalen Ramsey. So uh, those guys, I mean, I hate to include Douglas Louise in that, but he is probably a slightly average Premier League midfielder, um, but it's worked out well. They've actually really done a great job with that formation of limiting chances, um, and it makes me a little bullish on them against Liverpool. I think there it's going to be like we actually saw this type of match. Villarreal was Emery's last job. He did the same thing. They're just really tricky to play against in this little 4-4-2 that they got. So they were at um, plus – I can't even read my writing – plus 120 uh, for plus 0.5 in this match. And it seemed like a pretty good number to me. I, I, I know I'm super bullish on Liverpool, but like, I just think that this is the type of match that always seems to trip Liverpool up. And it's coming right out of the break, right when they're trying to get everybody back and integrated together. And I just think that Villa's got good value on this side. Yeah. I uh, I see all your rationale. I just think he might be being too cute by half. Like we like Liverpool to shoot up. Yes. And we say they benefited from the rest. Definitely we think they're about argument. to kind of go on a tear. Why wouldn't it start in this game? And so uh, at minus one forty five, getting them, you know, this could be minus two hundred pretty easily if this game was a month later. Uh, so while I I appreciate your rationale. Uh, I'm just going with the dumb guy bet here that a team that we think is about to rock it up isn't going to wait to start that tear. Yeah, and, um, and there's definitely a ton to the Occam's Razor approach to this. I agree. So believe me, I, I went back and forth. I just landed at this spot. Yep, and Occam's Razor says that Mo Salah uh, is going to score in this game. So uh, it's not a wonderful number. It's plus 150 for him as an anytime goal scorer. I would like a little higher odds, but... Um, I don't know. I mean, him and Holland and the other guys that are just world, world, world class who are coming off in 30 days of rest when everybody else is coming, you know, off of just the absolute grind of the World Cup. I think that he also has a chance to really light things on fire right now with his fresh legs. So uh, I'm happy to lay that number in this particular matchup. All right. The moment you have been waiting for, Brett, the moment I overreact to Chelsea. You have had to wait six weeks for this. James is back. I know you're excited. I know you're. this is your gift under the tree to watch me embarrass myself as I come out and I cape for my boys. Uh, They are eighth at 21 points, and they were absolutely floundering heading into the World Cup. It was really, really bad. Uh, their numbers to win the Premier League is plus 20,000. I'm betting my house on that. I'm going to have 20,000 houses. It's going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> and then top four finish, the one I actually want to talk about, is plus 350. Uh, you've already kind of revealed yourself saying that you like them so much more than uh, – or you liked, what was it, United more than Tottenham and Newcastle and Chelsea. Uh, I just like the number here. At plus 350, I think they have just as good of odds 
odds to finish top four as a team like United, as a team like Spurs, even though Spurs has banked, uh, what, eight points on them. Um, they had horrific, horrific injury luck. It has continued a little bit uh, later, but you've already mentioned his name. How would it be? Reese James is back and is the absolute key to a lot of what this team wants to do. And, um, you know, put him in some bubble wrap, keep him healthy. And as long as he's out there, I think they have a great chance to return to form. They did lose uh, Broha for the season um, in a friendly during the World Cup. That's not awesome. Conte still out till February. Fafana just picked up another knock the last couple of days. So their training room continues to be cursed and full. Uh, so that part's not good, but they did have an opportunity. A lot of their guys had time to work with a new manager. They had a chance to get healthy. It's not just Reese James. I think Chilwell will be back very shortly, and he makes a huge difference in their lineup as well. Uh, I think that a guy like Havertz, who was in really good form for Germany in the World Cup and then got bounced in pool and has had some time to rest, in some ways is the best of both worlds because he got out, got to um, you know ball out a little bit, raise his confidence, and still get the rest because he didn't have to go an extra, you know, two, three weeks of games. Um, so overall, I think that they are a solid shout-out for the fourth spot. There's 24 games left. It's not like we're two-thirds of the way through the season. There's time for them to make up ground. They are still incredibly, incredibly talented, and I just like the three-to-one odds that they put it together and get into that fourth spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think to me it is uh, it's all comes down to Reese James. And I, I can see that argument if he stays healthy and finishes out the year and plays the vast majority of their minutes. But um, he is so crucial to them in a way that one player probably shouldn't be to a top four club. Um, and I, 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 you know, the Nkaku thing, the, the signing that they've had, that's going to look like it's being pushed to 2023. Um, well, summer of 2023. I I was thinking maybe if they brought in some reinforcements in January, um, we would have a different conversation here. And we still could. And they, stay, they still could. And we still could. Without that and the reliance on James to be such a chief creator for them, I'm just not as as sold that they can leapfrog the teams they're going to need, need to leapfrog to, to get into the top four. I think the three spots are locked up. I think it's it's definitely going to be City. It's definitely going to be Arsenal. It's definitely going to be Liverpool. So that means that they got to beat Newcastle, United, and Spurs just to get that four spot. I don't know if they will have the injury luck or the, the positive injury luck, the hell, the the health that they need to do that. Yeah, I, I there's one hidden factor here, Brett, that I should have brought up in my uh, original, you know, kind of statement in favor of this number is they're already out of the Caribou Cup and they're probably going out of the FA Cup because they are playing City um, in the next round. And this is going to be like the least fixture congestion that they've had in a really long time because Chelsea, if nothing else, makes incredibly deep cup runs. And so this is going to be an odd year for them, even though there's a World Cup that kind of screws this up, where they are going to be playing fewer matches for once than the guy, the people that they're competing with. So I do like the idea, and they hell, they might go out in the Champions League or they might win the Champions League. Like their range of outcomes is wild. <laughs> it's, it is uh, wild. Um, but if they do go out in the Champions League and they're just playing for the Premier League and the level of talent they have is just playing, you know, once a week for the first time in forever, I think it's a little hidden gem that might yeah. rocket them up the table. Yeah, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head too. 
This is a team that has the widest range of outcome of anyone that we've talked about, in my opinion. They could easily finish eighth, and if they finish second, I probably wouldn't even be that surprised at that either. So, like, they're going to be interesting to watch. So, Toby, if you want to give Toby company this year because you're still trying to pick out a team and you want a top six club, this one will definitely keep you on the edge of your seat. <laughs> hey, if you like Americans who put their balls on the line, Chelsea's your place. It's the only yeah. place we got one. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, so they're going to start their run up the table on Tuesday, not on Monday, not on Boxing Day. This game is at 12.30 p.m. Eastern against Bournemouth, who is 14th with 16 points. Chelsea is minus 310. Bournemouth is plus 850. The draw is plus 400. Chelsea minus a goal and a half is minus 110. Bournemouth is minus 120. Um, I, I can't say that. I can't say I like the plus 350 and not think that they're going to come out and take advantage of the time on the training ground with Graham Potter and uh, some of the injury recoveries they have with Reese James, et cetera. So I'm not just, I'm not just taking them with the minus 310 uh, for all the reasons I've already given. And Bournemouth gives me no reason to really take pause and like, oh, well, you know, I have to consider the opponent. I think they can come out and get two goals in this game. I going to take them on the adjusted line at minus 110. And then I'm also, because I think um, defense has long been this team's calling card. I think it'll get back to that a little bit more with the time on the training ground and with Reese being back. And so I'm going to take them on a clean sheet win at plus one Oh nine. Yeah. I, um, I, I must be doing this wrong because I bet against Liverpool who I assured is going to finish in the top four. And now I'm betting for Chelsea who I just said, I don't really have a faith in that they are going to finish top four. Clearly COVID is doing something to my brain. Um, so, but uh, the Chelsea at minus 1.5 adjusted line, uh, I, it, it's, it's again, it's more of a bet against Bournemouth. They've been pretty poor all year long. Um, Reese James back is so huge for Chelsea. Cannot overstate that enough, even though we both said it like three times already. Um, I, I think this is going to be one where Chelsea is going to come out and look pretty good. Um, and Bournemouth definitely plays a style that allows a team to impose their will on them. Um, and I just think that this is just good value for the chance that this game could be 3-0-4-0, type of scoreline. Um, and then I, I then for my prop, I just had both teams to score no draw plus one seventy five uh, for that exact reason. I think Chelsea might run up the score, some subs might come in, and Bournemouth might nick one at the end. Uh, and you're getting plus one seventy five odds to do it. So just as a little bit of evidence that I'm raising my kids right, my 10-year-old Kate, the number one uh, jersey request, or number one list on her Christmas list was a Reese James jersey. So yes. not even Captain America, yes. not any of the goal scorers. She picked a right back as the person that she wanted to rep um, on Christmas Day. So I'm doing something right, Brett. Oh, I love that. That's my favorite story of the podcast. Eventually, she's going to be on your side for the dog name change, which will be even better. <laughs> And hell, she scored on a 30-yard free kick in a tournament in the final uh, in December. So Reese James is a pretty good shout for her. All right. I love it. All right. So let's get to the five pint. Um, I had a pretty massive comeback. I had a real hot streak in the World Cup. We were talking about it before the show. You did very well as well. Uh, You murdered it on the last fixture of the Premier League before the World Cup started. So I was digging out of a really big hole. Our final total for the World Cup was uh, Brett came in on. we, We wagered 35 pints. Uh, because we did seven shows. 
Brett returned 40, so a plus five unit World Cup, which is excellent, Brett, for a hard to handicap event. Uh, I did a little bit better on 35 pints wagered. I came in at 48.5 pints. I was 13 and a half units up for the World Cup. It's literally heat lines coming off them. I don't know if people can't see this because it's a podcast, but if you watch the video portion, you'll see the heat lines. Oh, uh, well, they're about to cool off fast. So put it all together <laughs> and we are dead heat. We are a dead heat coming into the end of December. We are at 28.9 each uh, on our pints thus far. So I cannot believe how horrible I'm going to do this week in advance. I feel like I'm blind. I feel like I'm just pulling things out of a hat. And somehow I've got uh, beers with my friends on the line. What I did draw out of the hat is the following five bets. I have Manchester City wins by two and Holland scores at plus 125. Just going for it right out the gate. Uh, Arsenal, West Ham, both score no at minus 120. Chelsea win to nil at plus 109. Uh, Liverpool just on a straight money line and minus 145. And Spurs and Brentford under 2.5 goals at minus 110. How about you, my friend? Uh, I got a pool clean sheet at plus 170 for one. Uh, I have the Arsenal clean sheet win is going to be the big bet uh, at two pints at plus 140. Uh, going with your boys. Don't let me know. I mean, this is always bad when I bet Chelsea, I think. There's a good one I bet Chelsea. I can't remember which one. It's been so I'm now fading Chelsea. World Cup. The World Cup has just screwed me all up. Um, but Chelsea minus one and a half at, at minus 110 for a pint. And then the blind bet. I don't even care what it is. Meatballs can throw up the odds. Just throw up the, throw up the odds, Meatballs. I don't care. How on two goals against Leeds. Don't even care what the odds are. Blind bet. I love it. Blind in on Holland. That is an amazing bet. Way to go. With the five pint on the line for the month, going blind bet. That's how confident (laughs) I am. That's confidence, people, right there. Oh, (laughs) confidence or COVID is our next game show. I think it'll be a hit. Uh, All right. So. Happy holidays, everybody, whether it's it's Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever you are celebrating in your household and around the world. Uh, thank you so much for spending the World Cup with us. Thank you for uh, tolerating our return to the Premier League today as we as we muckle through this. I hope that Santa puts tickets uh, from Ticketmaster to our live event in Las Vegas, January 8th, January 9th, in each and every one of your stockings. And we will be back. Uh, I, I don't know our next show because fixtures are so weird. Holidays are so weird. We'll put it on social media. But trust us, we will be back shortly with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Take care, everybody. Happy holidays.